Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've been talking together the last few days about one of my treasured friends, Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot. Oh, Elizabeth Howard Elliot Leach Gren. She had a lot of last names, didn't she? She had three husbands before she passed. Two of them passed before she passed. And as we celebrate and remember five years ago when she left us to go to be with her beloved father, her beloved father, whom she loved from an early age, we paused to, to reflect on some things that she said to us, some things that she talked about. And I have this vast amount of information. Uh, they're sort of random things that belong to Elizabeth. A book that has a great deal of poetry in it. I've been reading it the last few weeks. Some of it is by authors that we know and love. Much of it by George MacDonald, who, who I think she may have been the one who introduced me to George MacDonald. I also found in her possessions a graduation speech, a commencement speech that she gave to Eastern College on May 19th in 1974. And as I read it, I was deeply touched by it, as I often am when I read things that Elizabeth said or wrote or speeches she gave me that I took notes on, finger-pointing sessions, loving words that helped me to call Christ, Christ, in a deeper and more meaningful way. She will always be a part of my DNA. She will always be the mother of my heart. And her words ring loud and clear while she stopped ringing words loud and clear for a number of years before she actually left to go to heaven. But as I have these items, I think, oh, I want to be a person among many persons who stopped in June to remember Elizabeth and all that she's done and all of her books and all of her materials. Her website is new and updated. Please go to it. Please subscribe to it. Look for audios you may never have heard before and look for all of her books. One of the books that you'll find there is Suffering is Never for Nothing. And this book has never before been published. And it came from a series that she did. Um, I'm not sure what year it was she did this series. I'm looking quickly to see if I can find it. But I'm going to say that these six sessions were done hmm, at least 18 years ago. And she did them as a teaching at a conference, which she often did. And many times the material that she used had a nemesis in one of her books, which would have been um, a book on suffering that she wrote. But this was never before transcribed. And um, recently, last year, it was transcribed and published in 2019. Johnny Erickson Tata did an introduction to it. And it's not a big book, but it's a lovely book. It has great notes at the end, wonderful quotes, and about 100 pages. And I have 30 copies I want to give to you. But here's what you have to do. I know. There's always a trick. No, I'm not asking you to give me any money. If you want to write a check to the Modern Homemakers Ministry, please feel free to do that. 
what I want you to do is let your friends be our friends. That's all I want you to do. And so here's what I need you to do. If you will call your friend and say, would you listen to one podcast of Modern Homemakers and send an email that just says, I'm listening from. Now, I have the most recent one, and I wish I knew because my producer's from Australia. It was an A name, a multisyllabic first name, Australia. So I've given away one book. I don't have 30 books anymore. I only have 29 books. And this is our second time in mentioning it. And I'll keep mentioning it until you've sent us 30 friends who are willing to listen to us once and just tell us where they're listening from. We hope that because we have such a good track record, if a new friend listens to us, they'll join us again and they'll bring their friends. So let your friends be our friend. Today... Amidst all of the non-graduations and all of the drive-through graduations and all of the drive-through graduation parties and ceremonies and gifts, wow, I never sent so many graduation cards with cards in them or money in them to commemorate this special time. And there's a part of me that says, oh, bummer, you didn't have your graduation. But, oh, what a great story it's going to be for the rest of your life, whether it was grade school or high school or college or, in my daughter's case, another master's degree. And so as I was ruminating through and rummaging through Elizabeth's personal belongings that I have some of, I found this commencement speech. And I'm going to read it to you, not in Elizabeth's voice, because I could never do that long enough. But it is her voice and her truth. There is a deep significance in our reserving special garb and special music and special pace for occasions like this. I doubt if anyone comes dressed in academic regalia for graduation simply because he feels it is a remarkable becoming. You know, cap and gown is not, I venture to say, quote unquote, your thing. But you didn't get where you were today merely by doing your own thing. You've been doing somebody else's thing. And you wear these robes today precisely because they are somebody else's thing. Symbols of old traditions rep which represent the discipline and dignity of learning. These robes represent not vanity and self-conceit, but obedience. Today we agree to the dignity, not because it fits us necessarily. We are, in fact, keenly conscious of how unfitted we really are. We are obedient to something beyond and much bigger than ourselves. You got on the graduation list by obedience to authority, by submission to a certain set of rules, by partly social and partly academic but rules which define what Eastern College is all about, so that when you go out of here, you go out as an Eastern graduate. Can you fill in the name of your high school or college? The pomp and ceremony are not for nothing. They're a special way of remembering. They embody in a formal way some important facts which this college and your parents and everybody else who has paid a price of any kind to train you do not want you to forget. But there's another list I have in mind. It is a bizarre assortment of people. 
a devout shepherd, a 500-year-old father of three, a wealthy Chaldean, a Hebrew root in an Egyptian palace and harlot. They are not on the list because they took the right number of credit hours. One of them is there because of a sacrifice he made, another because of a massive carpentry project, another illogical journey, another impossible mission, and the harlot because she took a dangerous risk. The names were Abel and Noah and Abraham and Moses and Rahab. The list is found in the 11th chapter of Hebrew, and these people got on it for one reason, faith. The things they remembered for things God inspired men to preserve in the record of all times were things done by faith, actions based on principles which are invisible. Suppose we add to the list, by faith, the class of 1974 changed the climate of the 20th century. By faith, the students of Eastern College subdued urban violence, wrought racial, economic, and social justice, established a righteous government, restored ecological balance, and made peace in the world. End of quote. Are you shaking your head as I am again as I read it again? This was written in 1974 at a college graduation. Could these words be lifted off the page and inserted into any speech given today? She continues, is it likely that this class will change the climate of the age? There may be one or two whose names will go into history books. There will be more than that, I trust, who by the faithful performance of their work of whatever kind will change their own immediate world. But the older you get, the more disenchanted you will be with the possibilities of committees and organizations and politics, necessary as these things are. How much in the long run can be done by groups and institutional machinery? The wheels grind exceedingly slow, and the most selfless dedication on the part of some will be offset by the lust for power on the part of others, and the machine will seem to move with the speed of a glacier. <laughs> I love this woman. Isn't she amazing? But on the other hand, what can one man accomplish alone? The possibilities here seem even more bleak. Make no mistake about it. The kind of work that changes the world, the real transforming work, is not done by a new use of power or by intellectual brilliance or by the mobilization or ever larger and more concerned forces, but in the last analysis, by sacrifice. The formula for the most enduring kind of success is the formula of Jesus Christ himself, and he gave it to us. I tell you truly that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a single grain of wheat. But if it dies, it brings a good harvest. The people who got on the list in Hebrews were not waited for by the world. Nobody would have known where to look for them. Nothing could have been expected from such a collection of folks. They were people who, in vastly different ways, exercised faith in the same almighty God and put their own lives on the line for the sake of that faith. They were irresistible in their obedience, steadfast in their suffering, resolute in the face of risks, even when the risks entailed their lives, their families, their families' lives, and their reputations. 
We all love the stories that ring with triumph. You know, shutting lions' mouths, quenching furious fires, and escaping from death. There's <clears throat> a lot more to this business of faith. There's another whole category we're not allowed to leave out, and let me read that part. Again, quoting from Hebrews, and others were tortured, exposed to the test of public mockery and flogging, bound in prison, killed by stoning, and by being sawn in two. Christianity is no lyricism. The faith that bore those heroes down in the depths of darkness and suffering was not, and I hope you will remember that if you remember nothing else, that faith was not their own thing. They didn't drum it up. They didn't somehow work themselves up to it by getting to know themselves or love themselves or by f doing what they felt like doing. It came from a source outside of themselves, outside the sphere of this world's understanding, from the one who said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing, that is, that would ever get you on that ageless list. Jim Elliot wrote in his diary, quote, Father, take my life, my blood, if thou wilt. Have it. Lord, have it all. Pour out my life as an oblation for the world. End of quote. Jim couldn't possibly have known how that prayer would be answered. He could not have imagined that eight years later he and four friends would be speared to death on a jungle riverbank. The first person account of what happened on that bloody beach in 1956, taped for me by two Alka Indians who actually plunged in the spears, takes you back to the last half of that Hebrew list and others tortured, stoned, and sawn in two. Not many of you will find it easy to picture yourself shutting lion's mouths or marching through seas on dry land. Probably no one here today will be bled to death on the point of a spear. But many of you honestly and earnestly believe in your hearts that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. You know he's your Savior. That faith, Christian faith, has a sacrifice at the heart of it. It is based on a love that was stronger than death. It will cost you something before you're through. But don't call me hero, you say. I'm no hero of the faith. Don't class me with Abraham or Noah or even Jim Elliot. My name doesn't belong on that list, doesn't it? The list isn't finished yet. It ends with these astonishing words, quote, All these won a glowing testimony to their faith, but they did not then and there receive the fulfillment of their promise. God had something better planned for our day, and it was not his plan that they should reach perfection without us. Are we to believe that Abel and Abraham and Rahab and those who were stoned to death or sawn in two will not reach perfection without the Christians of the class of 1974? That is what we are hard to believe. You who walk out of this college campus today with Christ in your house qualify for that list. Oh, I love this woman and her words. Is that a little bit terrifying to you? How shall you find the courage to follow in such a train? I tell you how. I found the answer in the 12th chapter. In times of nearly paralyzing fear and loneliness, I have suddenly remembered the serried ranks of witnesses and have thought that I heard them cheering for me. 
They're like spectators in an arena watching for victory. You and I are in the race. We are in the race. Let us one with resolution, the New English Bible says, the race that we have to run. Your race, don't forget it, is not the same as Abraham's. It isn't the same as Jim Elliot's. There's something individual and incommunicable about yours, something which is this form does not occur in anyone else's life, a quality of faith known to God alone, but its source and its goals are exactly the same for all of us in that arena. Jesus Christ, pioneer, perfecter, author, and finisher. For visible things in the visible world, you will need visible qualifications. Your cap and gown, you recall, are symbols of obedience to academic discipline. For invisible things in the invisible world, you need invisible qualifications. The cross of Jesus Christ, which speaks of sacrifice, is the symbol of the obedience of faith. It is that cross which changed the world, and it is that cross which changes you and me. I'm stunned. It's the second time I've read it in the last 10 or 12 days. I'm stunned. Are you stunned? I hope that wherever you are, whatever city, whatever country, whether you've just graduated, a child's graduated, a husband's graduated, or no one's graduated, we need a pep talk to be reminded that God has uniquely qualified each one of us to get in line in that race of faith, of faith. At Elizabeth's memorial service, I said the words, and if you listened to that last week as we made it available on the podcast, I said these words. Sometimes I look around and I think, oh boy, look where I am. Look what I'm doing. Look what I have done. And then I remember that I got here, as Peter Kreeps said, by standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before me. Abel and Abraham and Elizabeth and many others. So I thank the Lord for the privilege of the shoulders I've been able to stand on. And I encourage you to take a moment to thank the Lord for the shoulders of those who you are standing on, have stood on, will stand on. And if you are a graduate, I pray that this message of Elizabeth from 1974 will inspire you to go out and do whatever God is calling you to do and do it well. Do it well. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of living a life of faith.